Welcome to the Top Order podcast. Three of us in the room, Raj, unfortunately, feeling a little bit under weather, but we are going to be talking the pitch, the toss, the teams, our predictions from Narendra Modi Stadium. 130,000 fans are going to be packed in for this World Cup final. 9.30 New Zealand time, 2pm local. It's a one-off game. The previous records don't count. We're going to discuss all that and more coming up on the Top Order podcast. Stay tuned. Boys, it is, it's Christmas Eve, isn't it, really? Um, we're sitting here Saturday afternoon in Auckland. The game, obviously, World Cup final. India going in 10 from 10 in this tournament mm. so far after their victory against didn't, New Zealand. Didn't you just say none of that counted? Well, in the intro, and we, we're going to discuss that, aren't we? We're going to discuss what, you know, what counts. This is a one-off game of cricket. We've got Australia coming in from... Look, we talked about it on the preview show, didn't we, Baldy? If the Aussie Seamers came good, which they were due to do, that um, new ball um, triplets. Is it triplet? What, what's the. Well, only two of them can bowl at once, but yeah. Well, yeah, but Stark, Cummins, Hazelwood. Certainly, oh, right, Hazelwood yeah. bowled really, really well. Stark mm. um, made a few commentators and pundits eat a little bit of hum- humble pie. I think Ian Healy um, was online eating, yeah, a big portion of that after some yeah, comments he'd made. Leftovers as well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> prior to that game. But look, we're going to talk all all of that uh, from as we said Modi Stadium and there's going to be 130,000 fans it's going to be a sea of blue you would suggest with maybe only the odd pocket of canary yellow and um, where do we want to where do we want to start I think let's start in the room Baldy Australia in the final um, what are your I guess thoughts feelings emotions um, riding into this the bookmakers don't give you a hell of a lot of hope and um, for those who like the English odds it's uh Four to nine um, on for for India. Yep. Nine What's to five. I'm going to come to that. Um, <laughs> Australian nine to five. So in, in you know in the, in the basic math that we need Thanks down in much. the southern hemisphere, that's India paying a dollar thirty nine and uh, Australia paying nearly three dollars. Okay, cool. Yeah. So what what are your thoughts? I guess with, with all that context going into a World Cup final. Well, and I want to jump on that because after we recorded uh, preview or a review of the semi final, you were very much. Uh, you know this is a free hit this is a, you know all of that kind of mm. talk of oh well it, you know now we, we've over exceeded expectations but now we're in the final you want to win this right this is now important this oh, is Australians don't go to finals to lose yeah. Australians do not go to finals to lose look um, we're somewhere in between $3 and Lloyd Christmas's so you're telling me there's a chance territory <laughs> from, from 1993 Dumb and Dumber right um yeah, Australians don't go to finals to come second. They're up against it, but this is perfect for Australia. You know, every Australian who is sort of, you know, that sort of died in the wall, Reggie Didge loves the underdog type, will be reveling in the fact that it's 130,000 versus 11. And all of the conditions, the, you know, the ground, the fans, the atmosphere, all week, or, you know, three or four days leading into the final will be all geared towards everything talking about India which suits Australia down to the ground I think the less that Australia are built up as being expectations of winning the final the better for them as a team I think they'll be galvanised by that and I think it, it plays in their favour a little bit you know as I said after the semi-final if we treat it as a free hit if we go in there without any expectations if we take all the pressure off ourselves as a side Australia particularly guys like Glenn Maxwell and Travis Head, etc., and David Warner have freedom to operate within a risk-taking environment. Whereas, if 
they went in with expectations of winning and all of that kind of weighing them down, then Australia are less likely to perform at their best, I think. Do you think, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the paths for these two teams to the finals. And, and do you think that the Australian, the way they've got to this final has sort of, uh, in a way really helped with all of the stuff that you're talking about now because I mean obviously we, we have mentioned it quite a few times about how these first two games for Australia went pretty badly didn't play good cricket didn't play good cricket got absolutely I mean you know they were a chance in that India game take that catch of Kohli and suddenly this whole World Cup could look completely different but they got thumped by South Africa and even in that third game Sri Lanka was 120 for none looking like they're about to put Australia out of this World Cup but they've suddenly got on a roll like They've, they've managed to sort of win some games where, uh, I mean, not that it didn't seem like they were going to, but some close games and certainly the Maxwell game, obviously, against Afghanistan. It's sort of all now put them, like now they're on a roll and now they can kind of carry this underdog tag that they've had, which is really unlike them in a World Cup. Australia will get a lot of mental strength out of the games that they've won in this World Cup. So if you you mentioned the the Maxwell game where we were 90 for 7 chasing lots and he got 200, even the Bangladesh game, the following mm-hmm. game where Australia were in a little bit of trouble. Bangladesh made 306 I think or whatever it yep. was. You know, we had to we had to break records to win those two games in terms of highest scores chased. It was a close game against South Africa. I may have talked up that it was a, you know, a little bit more comfortable than perhaps many Australians felt in that chase against South Africa. So Australia will have been steeled by having must-win games or close to must-win games that they were able to find a way to get a, to get over the line and that will stand them in very good stead against India. I don't think Australia will go in fearing India at all. I think some sides have gone into this World Cup fearing how strong they look on paper and how wonderfully well-balanced they are and how well they've been performing. I don't think Australia will go in fearing India. But I, I think in all these keys to victory later on, I think Australia need to take uh, some learnings out of the way that other teams have played against India and maybe take a different approach. Stu, let's put ourselves, I guess, for a second in the Indian camp. Um, how, how are they feeling going into this? And I think to build on Baldy's point, when I look at Australian sides and you kind of look at that list of World Cups um, and, you, you know, you feature in a lot of finals over the history of the uh, of the World Cup, particularly in the, the ODI format. Um, and there's been numerous occasions where you've had a number of must-win games to, to get to those stages. And I, I think probably the difference I see in terms of that preparation is that you needed to win those games, but there were still probably questions on who else was going to make the finals at that point. Yeah. Whereas this is a slightly different scenario. Is you, You've had a number of must-win games. India haven't had to win a game for about three weeks, really, <laughs> yeah. um, in terms of the tournament. You know, they obviously first, pretty much first to qualify, even though um, they weren't first to play in the course of the tournament. They're, as we said, 10 from 10. Um, Bordy says, you know, Australia won't um, fear India. What What do you think India are thinking at the moment in terms of that? You know, their build up and preparation and and how they're feeling playing at home. One hundred and thirty thousand fans. We've talked about the pressure that's on them, but yeah, what your view on what they're thinking in in that camp? I, I hope they and I don't take this the wrong way, but I hope that they feel unbeatable. I, I honestly think that they should. Like that they. There's that fine line, isn't there, between feeling unbeatable and being, you know, too overconfident. And But I think they could quite easily be on the line of, we are unbeatable and you're going to have to play unbelievably well to beat us. And we have so many strings to our bow. We have, you know, we have the, if we bat well, you're out of the game. If we bowl well, I mean, and that 
thing that Raj said, the comment that Raj made and, you know, very early on in this tournament has stuck with me throughout and they just keep doing it over and over again and they keep smashing teams. You know, like I, I you look at this road to the final, they just keep thumping you know, loads good of loads, sides. very good sides, yeah. And they, you know, even the margins of victory, even in the games that that start, you know, became sort of close, like the New Zealand games. And I'm, I might, yeah, I think you touched on it just before. I think we should unpack a little bit the probably the Australia game and the two New Zealand games that India have played. They're probably the two games where they've looked the most in danger. But then you look at those margins of victory, and India won by five wickets against New Zealand with plenty of time to spare. They won by 70 runs the other night in the semi-final, and they won by, what, six wickets or something six against or seven, Australia? Six, six, seven wickets against Australia. So, like, the margins of victory in the games that we felt were close at times were still quite big, and, yeah, I, I feel like they should go in. You know, I know it's at home, but they seem to be enjoying that, and they mm. should go in feeling like they cannot lose this I, game I, I, unless they play do something terrible. I read a stat earlier in the week that this is on par this Indian side in terms of margins of victory on average is on par with that Australian side in 2007 in terms of the yeah. you know winning by wickets winning by runs etc winning with overs to spare on par with the dominance of that Australian side in 2007 so they've been certainly far and away the best side in the tournament so far yeah. but this all comes down to 100 overs it, it comes down to one game on one day and, and who takes that opportunity the best I think you're right though Stuart uh, for Australia to win the game we will have to play at our absolute best with bat and ball. I think if India master either of their two disciplines, they will go a long way to winning the game, even if the other side of the coin is maybe not at their at their peak. Yeah. I think the thing that's noticeable for me is that India really, from an outsider obviously watching, look as if they've really enjoyed this tournament. Mm. It, it looks as if they probably haven't felt... Um, or certainly outwardly, they haven't sort of demonstrated that they're feeling the pressure of no. a, you know a billion people and and hundreds of thousands of fans in in the grounds. And I think a lot of that comes from the calmness that we see from Rohit Sharma at the top of the order, and obviously with their captain's armband on. But then also even you know Virat Kohli is very very emotional. Um, but he, he seemed yes, he still had that passion absolutely. But it's also been with that kind of ice you know ice cool. Um, blood running through his veins when it when it's really mattered, um, and I think we talk talk a lot about being put under pressure throughout the course of a tournament and the margins of victory. India, you know, have, have had a relatively straightforward run to the final, but I still think they've they've been in some situations where they have had to stand up, they yeah. have had to um, absorb some pressure. Um, you know, you look at you know even just things like the strike rates that there's been times when they they have had to you know just actually absorb pressure and, and keep themselves in a game. But I think most importantly, when you look at their top five or their top six, um, strike rates are all great. But also from an average perspective, they've got six guys averaging over 50 in this tournament. Yeah. Um, and w when you think really that, you know, they've played this format of, you know, five genuine um, batters, they've obviously had the luxury of someone like uh, Ravi Jadeja being able to, to play as a genuine all-rounder. Um, but, f you know, six genuine batters and five genuine bowlers. Um, I, I just think when you look at those stats and then you come and look at their bowling stats where you've got, um, you know, four guys under, or sorry, five guys under 25 bowling average, yeah. um, it, it's a pretty formidable, yeah, f formidable side. Um, let's move on to the teams. What, what do we think in terms of, in terms of selections, I've kind of written down what I think it looks like. There's been a little bit of chat around whether Ravi Ashwin gets a look in. I can't see that myself, having played only one game. It it looks as if really Ashwin, um, Krishna, Thakur and Kishan, the, the reserve keeper of the four to miss out and they just go same team, do the same again. Um, but any 
Any potential curveballs you can see India from a selection perspective, either of you? Not from India, surely. I mean, they've been so successful in this tournament. I, I and you know, after the Hardik injury, they you know whether they stumbled on this because of that injury or whether that was always sort of in their plans to sort of bring in Shami and and just keep Hardik in the you know Surya Kumar Yadav role at the moment, sort of batting six and being a sixth bowler and and you know having even more balance to their side. Maybe that was where they would have ended up anyway. But, you know, having come to that format, I don't see, you know, why they, one, why they would need to try and change things up. They've just been going so well. But also, yeah, what what would be the benefit in trying to do that? Unless they think the pitch is going to be absolutely, you know, a, a, a real Bunsen burner. Yeah, if it's a raging turner, then the ICC haven't done the best service by the 130,000 fans who've come to watch a good game of cricket, right? Yeah. You want a good surface that has contests between bat and ball, sure. But if it's going to be a raging turner, yes, India will pick three spinners and Australia will find it very, very difficult to score runs. I think Australia will already find it difficult to score runs against uh, genuinely good And I've got that as a question a, l- a little bit later on. Absolutely. Yeah. So I don't think India should make a change to their yeah. side. I think they've got a perfectly well-balanced cricket side as it is. And if you have a look at what they've got, they've got three very, very good seam bowlers. One of them is quite clearly the best in the tournament in Mohammed Shami. Yeah. Uh, they've got Jadeja, who's fantastic. They've got Kuldeep, who's been good, doing good things. So why would you change that balance? Why would you change that formula? I certainly wouldn't. I'd roll the same team out and go, you know, come, come and beat us. Let's roll on to Australia then. And I, I think let's cover the pitch conversation. I think we obviously saw uh, some chat prior to the semifinals. It really didn't transpire that so there was anything wrong with that wicket. Good surface. Uh, and look, I, th- I think the reality is we talk about used pitches, we talk about fresh pitches. The reality is um, quite often one day pitches get used multiple times. They can be refreshed relatively easily. I think we. I don't think we're going to see a Bunsen burner. Um, I think we're going to see a good wicket because I think um, it, this is, you know, the pinnacle. This is the world stage. Um, I can't see any decision being made deliberately um, that the pitch is going to be anything other than a one-day international belter. Why would you? Why would you? Why why would you? Would you? No, it, it doesn't play into India's yeah. hands to have a, a raging turner of a wicket in this particular scenario. On that, though, I mean, we did see two very contrasting sort of conditions and surfaces in those two semifinals. We saw, you know, at uh, in the New Zealand game at, at the one Katie, we saw, you know, just an absolute road with no movement at all. Only, uh, you know, the Indian bowlers got it to swing in that power play under lights for yeah. a very short amount of time. And then at Eden Gardens, we saw quite a different pitch, didn't we? Where there was movement for those Australian seamers up front. There was, you know, a bit a bit in the pitch, and it was we really enjoyed it. That sort of it, it felt like the quite a quite a good balance between bat and ball. If you look at our Medabad, the sort of um, not necessarily the pitches that have been there, but the scores that we've seen, we haven't seen anything. It's been four games there. We haven't seen anything over three hundred so far in this tournament at Medabad. So potentially, you know. We're just guessing, right, sitting here yeah. in, in Auckland about what the conditions and pitch might be. But potentially we might be looking closer to 300 as a good score rather than you're going to have to get 400 to win this game. Yeah, and if you look at the stats that Opta pulled together, that you know that's very much their suggestion. So they've, um, yeah, I don't know how their algorithm works. Paulie <laughs> might know better than me. But ultimately they're saying, assuming you know the team that, that wins the toss does what they want to do, they think it's relatively even in terms of what the scores are going to be in the first innings and their pitching, it's going to be a 
around that 300 um, marker for a first inning score. Yep. And I, I think to your point around the, the game uh, where it did do a little bit for Australia, I think the overheads came into that as much as the pitch conditions mm. potentially. It was pretty gloomy. The lights, you know, lights were obviously on early. And it had been undercover for a while, and, and right? Had, a little bit it, of juice in it. And it had been undercover. So, um, yeah, look, we don't know what the weather's going to do. Um, it sounds as if it's set fair, which I think obviously is what we want. We want it to be set fair and we want it to be as flat as, as flat as it can be. Let's come on to the Australian team. Mm. Um, or do you want to rebut on the the flatness? You, you want to see a, what, a genuine cricket wicket, do you, Bordo? Uh, uh, look, not going to happen. For, yeah, I know. It's, it's going to be flat. It's not going to happen. It's going to be flat. Look, for Australia, one of, one of the things that would help Australia a little bit is if it did have a little bit of seam movement. Australia looked like a completely different attack in that semi-final when the ball moved off the wicket. Josh Hazelwood was best in the world when you know he looked like he has been for a while the number one ranked ODI bowler because he got a little bit of movement off the seam and he beat the outside and the inside edge of the bat two for 12 off eight overs we're not going to get that again so you know put that put that thought away boys but that would be that would be great yeah. if I can ask for anything yeah <laughs> for Christmas can I ask for a little bit of seam movement when we bowl well first? I think if you ask for that little bit of seam movement it might not be the Christmas present you want because again if I look at some stats um, highest false shot percentage of seamers in this tournament both uh, Shami and Bumrat yep. 34% so ahead of both of, of your opening bowlers yeah, so that's probably if there is a little bit of nip there and we've talked about it if there is a little bit of nip there Shami's the man to, to he's uh, definitely to, the man to, he's, to find it he's the best what yeah. about that Aussie team though Paul are, are, are we likely to see any changes from the semi-final I mean I know you've sort of uh, before that semi a lot of the question mark was around do they go with sort of Manus in that number five spot or do they go with another all-rounder Stoyness personally I think Manus has become too important in the field to actually yeah. drop him now like you know regardless of what's going on he's been so crucial in the last couple of games in particular and what he's been doing in that inner ring and then on the boundary once he ends up there later I mean, I, I again wouldn't wouldn't even think about making a change. I mean, you've got a permutation really where you've got Stoyness, you've got Maxwell, and you've got Labuschagne, and you've got to get three of those two in, haven't you? Yeah, That's Max, basically yeah. the Maxwell. Maxwell comes in. Maxwell's right? a lock, hundred yeah. percent. Maxwell's a lock, and I would I would at this point, if if Manus can put his reverse sweep away, I, I would be picking Manus because, as you say, he is such an asset in the field. Stoyness is a good fielder. He's mm. a very very strong throw. Good across the ground, good catcher. Uh, South Africa game in the group stage, notwithstanding, because he <laughs> yeah. dropped he dropped a goober at cover. Um, but I think you, you're right, Stuart. He is such a dynamic fielder. We saw it in the Bangladesh game. He got yeah. two runouts. That's you know that's the same as getting two for as a bowler. Yep. And in the semi final, he and Warner in those offside positions. As you say, as you said to me uh, last Saturday, you, you need to claim as a fielder twenty five percent of of a wicket you take when you're stopping boundaries, or in your case, when you're in the ear of the batter and get him to change his <laughs> mind and, and and hit one deep down square leg's throat. So, for Australia, <laughs> just, let's be honest, that's nothing to do with any fielding ability, though, Borden. No, that was yeah. just that was just good chirp from you. I just needed to give you credit on the pod for <laughs> okay, that, for that dismissal because <laughs> um, I didn't at the time. Now, Australia do need Manus in the field. Yeah. If we're going to be a chance against India, we have to build pressure by restricting as well as being aggressive in terms of trying to take wickets. I don't think Australia can sit in against India as we did in the Ashes against England at stages and wait for a mistake. Because mm. on a good batting surface with the side that's that good and the form that all of those guys are in that you mentioned, we're not going to get 10 mistakes. We might get one yeah. or two across 50 well, overs. That's what New Zealand got stuck doing. They were waiting in that semi-final for India to make a mistake and they just, yeah. they just didn't. But we can't wait for that. 
Can I ask a, a question, Bordy, of you that can. of that um, selection? And look, I, I absolutely agree. I think that's the route that they're going to go. I think they're going to obviously go um, Maxwell. And I think obviously he helps in terms of your strike rate. Is there any concern, though, when you look at um, the fact that Warner, we, you know, we've talked a lot about his impact, but he, he's striking at just over 100 in this tournament so mm -hmm. far. You've then got uh, Travis Head at somewhere around about 140 strike rate. Smith and Labuschagne, um, both between 75 and 81, and um, particularly in those potentially middle overs against spin. Yes. We've seen them potentially get a little bit bogged down, I yes. think. Um, is that a concern for you that there's a you know there's a scenario where the way your batting lineup looks like you are a little bit stodgy in that you know in that three four spot without maybe looking at a Stoinis uh, yes. to supplement a Maxwell? Yes, and I think it all comes down to the approach Mitchell Marsh takes, yeah. and and whether or not he decides that he's going to be the aggressor, and and we're going to see Mitchell Marsh as we saw him against Bangladesh. I.e., I'm going to take on yeah. the bowling. I'm going to hit the ball long down the ground. I'm going to hit the ball hard. If we get, uh, if we get Afghanistan game Mitchell Marsh or the Mitchell Marsh that hasn't been aggressive batting at three, particularly after the power play, if he comes in over 11, 12, 15, whatever and he's got cool deep first up he's got uh jadeja first up he needs to be aggressive against yeah. those guys otherwise if he gets bogged down then it becomes harder for manas it becomes harder for smith to to accelerate in those middle overs i think we've got enough firepower um one of the notes that i made going into this show was none of those australian batters that you've mentioned can win us the game in the first 20 balls that they face against spin but collectively, they can lose the game in the first 20 yeah. balls that they face against spin. So we do need to be a little bit patient against Jadeja in particularly. I would like to see Australia go after cool deep a little bit, as as we as we did, I think, in that first game, if I recall. And other sides have gone after him a little bit as well. Siraj and cool deep are the two guys that I think Australia can get after in the power play and middle overs, respectively, because... If we can take, if they've only got five bowlers, if we can take some overs out of those and have to get them to bowl a sixth option, then that works in our favour. So I think we do need to be aggressive against those guys, Marsh in particular. Yeah, I think something. I mean, you know, as we're now transitioning into like the key matchups of of this game, I do think you know you mentioned Siraj. I, I think it would take a lot for. Uh, a sixth bowler to come into the mix I honestly think it'll be an injury it will be the only way that India will not just say even if you know one of these bowlers is getting smashed they, they're still a better option than Virat Kohli or who, whoever is potentially going to be that sixth bowler but you saw I, yeah that this Indian seam attack has been so so good but I think in that New Zealand game where yes it was an absolute road after the first few overs from Siraj, New Zealand did make a clear point to try and attack him, and he's an emotional bowler. You know, he's he's a fantastic bowler, but he got wound up, particularly against Dale Mitchell. He started bouncing him and, and all of this sort of stuff, and you could see in his head that he was going, I want to win this battle, and in trying to win the battle, he sort of let Daryl Mitchell get underway and get going, and yeah, exactly, I would be thinking that Australia are going, okay, well, Shami's just been unstoppable, Boomer is all class, and, and the way he kind of operates makes it so hard to get get on top of him because of he can bowl that Yorker, he can bowl the cutters, he can bowl in so many different ways. I think Siraj is definitely the seamer that you're looking to go after. I think you've got to disrupt Siraj. It's not about, you know, it's not about going into your shell against Shami, going into your shell against Boomer, but I think Australia have an opportunity to disrupt the line and length of Siraj in the same way that we tried to take the opportunity to disrupt Marco Janssen 
in the semi-final against South Africa. That's the mentality that I think Travis Head in particular will take into this game. If Warner gets width, we know what he's going to do. But Travis Head, to me, is the guy who can take on Siraj, particularly if after three or four overs, the movement tends to wear away a bit. If you can line him up straight up and down and hit it on the top of the bounce, that's the way forward. Not not to dominate this conversation too much, but the now that we're on the openers as well, what I think New Zealand did really well, or have done reasonably well in both of their two games, even though they did lose two early wickets in that semi-final, was I think to actually trouble this Indian lineup. You've got to survive those first 10 overs. You, not, not in the sense of, uh, you know, you have to sit there and block it out. But if they, like when we've seen them destroy sides, they've knocked over three or four in that power play and it's just game over. Like it's, it's all over. It's all over from, from there because the spinners can come on and, and take advantage. Travis Head, Marsh and, you know, Warner, their natural instinct is to go hard at these bowlers. And if they go hard at these bowlers, there's obviously the risk that, they're three down after set. Like, how do how do you think Australia is going to be balancing that out? Are they going to say, like you said before, we want to just get on top of these guys and we're prepared to kind of go down fighting, or do you think that there is some level of there going, hold on, shall we shall we get to the ten overs only one or two down and think, you know, from there we can start to build? Yeah. Before you go to Baldy, I've got a little bit of a take on this. I think what we've seen from David Warner throughout the course of this tournament is. Um, that you know realistically I think Border you said on one of the last pods that Mitch, Mitch Marsh would probably prefer to open the batting um, and then obviously you've got Warner and Head's come back in and you know Head had to come back in really with the form that he's shown over the, the course of the last 18 months or so Warner actually uh, has uh, absorbed a lot of that pressure mm. and has actually played I think really really sensibly and and has been prepared to bat in a sort of almost test match style for a period of time if he, if he needs to you've actually seen him leave a few balls um, you've seen him hit the sweeper when he's needed to hit the sweeper. So so I think in terms of y- your comment, I think that that's exactly what David Warner's role is going to be at the top mm. of that order. If there is the ability to, you know, to, to play probably the way that he played when he first came onto the scene and even maybe three or four years ago, yeah, he's actually, he's got that gear, but he's also shown that he knows that probably if he looks at himself and Travis Head and, and Mitchell Marsh, he is the guy that might just need to, mm. you know, play that Roy Keane role um, um, and, and hold in midfield for for a little while and, and, and let the Galacticos go after it um, on the on the right and left wing. I'm 100% with you. I'm 100% with you. He he is so crucial to Australia because he allows Head, he allows Marsh, he allows Maxwell later on in the day to take a little bit of risk. So if he's 40 off 60, I think he's done a terrific job, honestly, in those first 20 overs. Because if he's 40 off 60, it means wickets aren't falling at both ends. Yep. And if they can establish some partnerships... Um, Head and Marsh in particular, I think Australia are in with a with a fighting chance of putting up a big score, and I think that's going to be crucial for Australia. Make India bat second. Give us another key matchup, uh, Binksy. What what do you think? Yeah, so, so I actually think that there's a matchup which is that. Um, and look, I, I'm going to sit on the fence a little bit, but the matchup that I wanted to ask Bordy a hell of a lot about was that spin matchup against. Um, Smith, Labuschagne, and probably Maxwell. Mm. Um, we saw uh, Maxwell line up um, in the South Africa game. A, you know, a big heave and put put the team under pressure. You talked a little bit about Labuschagne. At, at times has had to go to that sweep to try and get himself off strike because he, he doesn't seem to have another game plan 
at times. So I think that that Ravi Jadeja and and Kuldeep um, against those, particularly those two, I think if you've got uh, Smith and or Labashain, um, batting together, I think that that's, that could be could be the match, particularly in those middle overs. Yeah, Australia have to target one of those two spinners, I think, to try and 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 either milk them for six, seven, and over, or go or really go after one of the two. I think they'll, they'll I think they'll target Cool Deep because most of the Australian batters are right-handed. Um, Warner and Head, the exceptions, if I'm right. Yeah, mm. Warner and Head, the exceptions yeah. in the top se- in the top seven. So I think Australia will target Cool Deep um, and try and get as many of him as they can because they can't be tied down by Jadeja and Cool Deep and Shami. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you've got to pick your poison to a certain extent there, and I think Australia will target Cool Deep, and I think that's the right matchup for them. Australia can't get tied down by the by the wicket to wicket bowling of Jadeja. They're going to have to find a way to work him for one so that he doesn't bowl. Mitchell Santner style, ten overs, one for thirty-five. I mm. think Australia would still take that, to be fair, off of off of Jadeja if they can get cool deep for fifty-five, sixty off his ten. Well, and it depends what it depends on all the stuff we we're talking about before, right? Like, what's a good score? Like, if if they can go, okay, well, two eighty is a good score on the surface. Then yeah, maybe they can. Maybe actually having Smith and Labuschagne to say. Look, we're just going to take 45 or 50 off both of these two and we're going to leave, you know, the big hitting to some of the other guys at the end there. You know, hopefully for, for their case, Warner and Head have got them off to a little, you know, maybe 60 off that power play. You know, Marsh and Marsh, Smith and Labuschagne can kind of milk those spinners, get them to the point where, you know, uh, Maxwell can kind of go hard at the end. Potentially that is the game plan and they don't have to go as hard. I think I think the key for Australia though in those three that you've mentioned there in the middle overs, if if they get in, they have to make the best of that opportunity because mm-hmm. I think Jadeja in particular, as well as well as anyone in world cricket, makes it really hard to start against him because he bowls yep. so many probing deliveries at you, makes you play, makes you make decisions off the you know, he challenges both edges of your bat early in your innings. So I think Australia, if if one of those guys can get in, the partnerships that they bat in become super important because, as we've seen with Australia in the past, touch wood, there is a collapse in that middle order, you know, against spin, and Australia have on occasion struggled against spin. So I think that's the weakness for Australia. That matchup that that you mentioned, Adam, is one that I think India would target. And, and if I was India, I'd target the other way around too. I'd target Zampa because South Africa did a terrific job targeting what has been, to this point, Australia's best bowler yeah. in the group stage. And South Africa made him look out of form in that game. Yeah, I, I was going to ask that, but then I kind of looked back at the previous two games and he went for three and over against Bangladesh in the in the previous game and, and bowled uh, well in the game before that as well. So I think uh, conditions favoured, I think, the seamers, um, certainly in, in Eden Gardens for that semi-final. So... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that, that there's going to be any worries in that Australian camp about Adam Zampa um, and his big match temperament. He, you know, I, d- I don't he, think he's so. He's had a fantastic tournament. He has, but South Africa batted really, really well in partnership against him. And I think India yeah. are, are, are well poised to be able to do the same. I, I, th- I wrote down in my little notes about what the key matchups are. You know, whether it actually is real or not, I, I think the Zampa v. Coley battle will be interesting. You, you sort of. Uh, there's always talk of oh Virat Kohli struggles against leg spinners. I have no actual stats or no idea. He doesn't about struggle this. against anybody. It doesn't appear to be struggling there, against there anyone. There isn't at the a moment. stat that suggests. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. But, okay. but I, I think that Australia might be tempted as soon as Kohli comes in or you know early on in his innings to go. Okay, let's bowl Zamper at him now. Put him under a bit of pressure because uh, you know he's 
he might be less likely to take a risk against Zampa than you know some of these other batters around Virat Kohli in the lineup, and they might think you know certainly that wrong and. Look, I think it'll be something that they'll try, and and how that goes. Obviously, if they can get Coley early, it'll be huge. Isn't it fascinating that you could talk about almost any permutation of any of of <laughs> any of the eleven in either in either side, and it's a juicy matchup. You know, mm. up and down this entire list of both sides. There are just fantastic, fascinating matchups, and and it, it is going to be, I think, one of the. I hope it becomes one of the great World Cup finals because on paper, there's just so much to like about how these two teams match up against each other. Yeah, so Virat Kohli against leg spin since uh, 2020, 697 yeah. runs at an average, just a tick under 50, okay. and a strike that's rate lower than his normal average. A, a strike rate of uh, 108, um, yeah, which is um, a full 18 points above his tournament strike right so okay. there you go um, okay so Very yeah good. I, again it, it is you know it, it, it's tantalizing when we look at all of these things and we look at the quality that's on show it's going to be really really fine margins i think in terms of some of the matchups uh, particularly but i'm looking down the stat sheet here body we're going to come to predictions in a minute but we look at strike rates india have got you covered we look at bowling averages india have got you covered we look at hundreds and fifties in the tournaments um india have Got you covered. Where, where is the chink in the armor that um, that you're gonna you're gonna exploit? Oh, there isn't one. I don't. I don't really think there is one. I think Australia will have to play out of their skin to win the match. Yeah. They will. They will have to not play the match on paper in their heads beforehand. Yeah. If, if if Australia play this match on paper and play it by the statistics and by the analysis and and all that kind of stuff, Australia can't beat India. You know, based on based on those those figures that you put out. And if you have a look at the analysts and and all the rest of it. Australia can't beat India. Australia can beat India by putting all of that behind them and going out and being aggressive against India and and putting doubt in the minds of those players that haven't won a World Cup before, haven't uh, necessarily been to the heady heights of tournament success. Australia need to do what New Zealand are so good at doing to other international sides is drag them in out of India's comfort zone and into unknown territory. And that's where Australia, with their six or seven uh, previous World Cup winners in their squad or on, in their team on game day, will be able to have a little bit of a mental edge. The reality, though, is that there are so many big game, game players for India. I think Australia are going to have to put them a long way out of their comfort zone <laughs> for India to have any kind of mental doubt as to whether or not they can get over that that hurdle and I mean that is a that is a thing in finals yeah. right it is a thing Absolutely. in finals to be able to know that you can do the job required of you to win the game Australia can't win the game unless all 11 players in their team are able to cross that hurdle together yeah. we, we can't beat India with one guy um, you know standing up and, and you know playing a, a lone hand India can probably afford that you know a Kohli a Shami or whatever they can have one guy stand up and potentially win them the match but there can't be any weakness in that Australian performance in any discipline in the field in their catching bowling batting whatever Australia all need to be at their absolute best to be any chance of beating India I, the one the one that we haven't talked about uh, that I did want to highlight again and kind of stand by my comments that I made before the New Zealand semi-final I really do think Rohit is just so crucial to this Indian lineup. And, and talking about, you know, all the confidence and, and everything, the way that he is able to set those t that tone 
particularly against this Australian seam attack who, yes, had all these challenges up you know, in, earlier on in the tournament, but came good in that semi-final. That, bat, that match-up, those first 10 overs, particularly if India bat first, the way that that 10 overs goes, I think it's just going to be so crucial to the way that the whole game goes. Isn't it, isn't it funny that in 2023 we can sit here and go, actually, it's not even the first 10 overs. It's the first five I overs. I know. It, re- it really is. If, if Rohit is 45 off 24 balls, he was 44 against South Africa in that yeah. game. And he took the game away from South Africa inside those first 24 balls that he faced, right? Yeah. Inside the first six overs. It was about so, the same against New Zealand. So he can take a game away from you in the space of the first five overs of the match. And I, Australia need to be able to... I think that Australia have got to attack him, right? If we sit in against Rohit, he can clear the boundary. I think Australia have to attack. They have to take a risk to get his wicket. If we sit in against these guys and wait for a mistake, we're just not going to get... We're not going to get 10 mistakes against this Indian batting lineup. Mm. We have to take six wickets. If Australia can take six wickets in the first 25 overs, Australia will be more than 50% of the way towards winning the match Mm. because all of a sudden you've exposed the final four batters for India yeah. that haven't been exposed yet that, in this tournament. Without doing that, Australia cannot yeah. cannot restrict India enough that we can chase down those runs. Uh, look, the, look, it seems pretty, it sounds pretty simple, right? I, but I, th- <laughs> I think that wickets at the top of that order are going to be really, really key Essential. for Australia because n- not only can Rohit um, and, and others take it away in that first six, seven overs, if they don't, they can still do it through the middle part mm. of the game as or well, the end. Um, because they've got you know they've got that ability. Or pretty much every single player we talked a hell of a lot about Rohit Sharma as you know is he the best three format batter um, in the world? But that was probably a couple of years ago we're having those conversations. But mm. he's got all of the gears to actually um, put in a scenario where um, you know I think if if I look at his top scoring ODIs, it's two hundred and sixty four. <laughs> um, you know, he's got the ability to bat a long period of time. He's got the ability to soak up pressure and use his test match skills. Um, and I think he's really just been the, I guess he's epitomised the, the coolness in that side. And probably almost, I think, and look, this is not trying to get England into the podcast. You try and get New Zealand into everyone. Um, <laughs> I, um, so I don't feel... Well, they I, they I don't, played India I, in the I, last I, game. I, know, I, don't feel too, I don't feel too bad about it, therefore, but... And there's a little bit of that kind of selfless nature about the way that that Indian batting lineup is going about their work that reminds me of that England, you know, England team that were, were so good mm. because they knew their role so well, mm. um, and they were given the freedom and the ability to go out and play the way that um, was going to benefit the team. And like that England side, this Indian side have so much depth that they yeah. can afford to take risks because they trust the guy behind him. You know, Rohit and Virat trust the guys coming behind them yeah. to be able to do the job. We haven't mentioned Shubman Gill yet, who's quite quietly you know Loki had a brilliant tournament yeah he's an absolute superstar Shreyas Iyer's got he just like, got 100 off 70 just, balls just got 100 yeah Kale Rahul's got at least 100 in yeah. this game Sky is a proven match winner at, at, at many levels and, and, just, and has been quiet through this tournament as well so he, he could potentially explode couldn't he and then you've got and then you've got Ravindra Dejaza who's a who's a world-class finisher so I mean like I say Australia have to take five or six wickets in that first 25 overs because even those unheralded guys are able to take the game away from Australia. Well, and yeah, I mean, you. I think you were spot on to point out that first five overs is so crucial because I actually sent a mate while I was sitting there, watched, I watched the first over of that New Zealand game and I said, I sent a mate, we have to get Rohit in the first five overs here, otherwise it's game over. Yep. And it, did, it felt like that because he did. He took the game away from New Zealand and I think New Zealand were probably two or three overs 
late to actually react and start going to cutters or going to so you know you say australia is going to have to attack they're going to have to be smart i think is is more the, the key factor because you can go all out attack but but what does that mean you know you can say you can try and put two slips and you can do whatever like you can on paper look like you're attacking but they actually have to be smart and be calculated and i think new zealand at times got stuck into the way that rohit just came down the wicket and started dominating they would they got to the point very quickly of what do we do here we're just going to have to try and bowl and hope that he makes a mistake and if yeah, we, as we've said lots of times here, yeah. you can't just do that. Yeah, being being aggressive on the cricket field doesn't just mean you're trying to nick guys out all the time. What it means is you're looking for a way to take wickets that doesn't involve waiting for a batter to make a mistake. Mm. So whether that's taking pace off the ball, whether that's using your spinners to vary the pace or vary angle, whether that's you know taking the cut, you know like the cutter or or trying to wobble the seam or trying to bowl seam upright, it's it's giving a batter asking them different questions trying to take his wicket rather than waiting for him to miss Q1 and being caught on the boundary or, or, or some other similar mistake absolutely is it time to move on to predictions can do so. yeah Baldy it's yeah it, it, it's, it's tantalising I just look at these stats there's, there's three guys in that Indian lineup who have, have had 10 knocks in the tournament and are averaging over 75 it's unbelievable if you extend it? that out to 50 um, there's you know four guys that average yep. over 55 and I think there's, there's two bowlers that average knocks. under 10 it's, it's, it's in, unbelievable it's, it's insane so let, let's go predictions we're going to go with two predictions so that doesn't okay. mean you can pick both teams to win <laughs> oh, okay um, but who do you think is going to win and who do you want to win? Um, and obviously, I think Bordy's, you know, Bordy's is, um, hopefully his want to win is going to be Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Lippy, yeah. Uh, it's India for both for me because I just think, I don't know, I've been doing a bit of thinking. I mean, one, India to win the game for all the reasons we've said. And I think that they should go into the game absolutely supremely confident. And I, I think that they should go out and dominate this game. You know, Australia... I give them huge amount of credit for the way they've come back and into this tournament and the way they've kind of got on a roll and they've, you know, even like the Maxwell innings, that was amazing to watch. And they've actually built into this tournament in a way that gives you sort of that fairy tale feel. But India's just been so good. And I think that they, you know, we, we've talked last time, right, in our semi-final or in our sort of semi-final previews, we talked a bit about what what do we want from a tournament and I've been battling with that almost ever since. Like, you know, what should there be? Should there actually be more knockout games in, in um, you know, in this thing? Because we've got to this format. We've played forty-five games, and suddenly we've got two not two knockout games, and then one final. And you sort of feel like that knockout part, which is such a crucial part of World Cups, is almost yeah. you know, is such a small focus of the, the the tournament. But then there's the other hand where we said before, you play all these games and you want to make sure the best team wins. So I, I still am battling with that in my head. But I've I've loved watching India in this tournament. I think that they've been fantastic. The way that their batters, the bowlers, everyone has just you know, you mentioned it before, they've been smiling a lot in this tournament. I think it'd be great. The crowd, everything would just be awesome if India wins and yeah, I'm very happy, very comfortable. You know, a lot of people, a lot of neutrals don't like India, BCCI and all this stuff, you know, the money that they have and things. But look, I think they've been fantastic and I'd be very happy to see them celebrating on, on uh, Monday morning New Zealand time. Yeah, look, I've reflected a little bit of this uh, over the course of the last few days. And I think where some of that, um, look, I guess animosity comes from, but particularly on Twitter um, or X as it's known now um, yeah. and social media, I think that angst and that 
um, I think comes towards the BCCI, not towards the Indian yes. Indian cricket team. And I think um, for for me, if India had been winning throughout this tournament, playing like Arsenal, I, I wouldn't have wanted Couldn't them to come in, is it? So, I, so <laughs> what are we doing here? Um, so we're where bringing I'm, them into the podcast. For yeah. Me. So look, where, where I'm going is, I think if they'd have played, you know, boring clinical one nil win type cricket, park the bus. Um, like Arsenal did uh, for a period of time. I, I don't think I'd want them to win, but I think they've played like Man United for me. They've entertained every single... Every <laughs> not, playing, sing- not playing like Man United at no, the moment. No, no, no. I'm talking about back in, back in the heyday, back when, you know, football was... Uh, yeah, it was a likable sport. So, um, <laughs> I, I think yeah, they've played with that smile on their face. I think they're you know they're a likable team. Um, I, you know, yeah. I, I think you, you know you listen to them speak. Um, that you know that they're great ambassadors for the game. That the vast majority of the guys, uh, you know, I've almost got that sort of respect that I had for Ricky Ponting begrudgingly by the end of his career. Um, I've got that for Virat Kohli. So, I, I think going ten from ten. Um, I I I know that that isn't the way that finals cricket works. This is a you know this is a reset, mm-hmm. um, and if if Australia win, there's no doubt in saying you know you know they they'll deserve to win the trophy on the night if they yeah. do that. But I I just think India have played such fantastic cricket. It's been a fantastic advertisement for the for the game of cricket over the course of the last uh, seven or eight weeks. And and I, I wouldn't want to take any anything away from that team. So a I think they will win for all the statistical reasons that we've talked about. Um, and and B, I'd like to see them win um, against um, against Australia, and that's not just because you know I'm English and I have to um, support um, England and whoever Australia are playing against. Yeah, Baldy, hello. Um, look, uh, as I often say to my kids, whether or not you believe that you're going to succeed, you'll be right. And so I think Australia have to go in believing that they're going to succeed against India, and I believe that they will as well. I, I think Australia will win the game and win the World Cup. I'd love for them to win the World Cup. Uh, but if India win, it will be the crowning achievement of what has been one of the most dominant performances in World Cup history, I think we, we would have to say. If India, you know, repeat the 1972 Miami Dolphins, I think it was. I was researching before the podcast. Okay. Um, and perfect, I'm getting grief for going back to 1990s perfect, Man United. We've perfect, got 1972 well, Miami Dolphins here. Yeah. So I think it's, the, if I'm if my memory is correct, I think it's the last time any NFL team ran the slate and won 17-0. Famously, the Patriots lost, went 16-0 and lost the Super Bowl in 07. Anyway, I was looking up perfect perfect records earlier. Anyway, if India were to do that, I think it would be the crowning achievement of one of the greatest World Cup performances we've ever seen. But I believe Australia can win and I'll be be barracking for Australia to win, of course, on Sunday night. Can I just say, if Australia do win, this will be a pretty remarkable... 12 months or you know even 18 months for them you know they've won the world test championship they won the t20 uh world cup not that long ago you know and we sort of had another t20 world cup since then but it was still wasn't actually that long ago in terms of timing and if they now win this if they do win this tournament here it will be very impressive and it's not actually very easy these days to be good at all formats at the same time and and you know i think that is probably something that needs to be recognized for both of these two sides who you know we are seeing a repeat of the world test championship final so absolutely yeah, very impressive for for both of them regardless of you know the hate that they may take as uh, as cricket sides and cricket nations yeah absolutely that these two teams have been at the pinnacle of their of their achievement i guess if you like over the last 12 months India backed by tremendous dominance. Australia through managing to find ways for one or two individuals to have standout performances when it's needed most. And I think that's what Australia will rely on in this game is they'll find a way to get themselves into a position where they can win the game 
and you know we've seen them ice games in this World Cup in the past so yeah that's what I'm hoping for Sunday night but uh, it wouldn't upset me tremendously if, if India were to win because they've been so dominant so far in this tournament I'll try and be magnanimous Touchwood, I've touched wood about 55 times in the course of this <laughs> podcast anyone on YouTube will just see me just, just gently touching wood <laughs> Is it wood? This is it's made real, of temp. This is real, real wood. wood. And, and real wood. most importantly, is that if you touch here, there's no there's no varnish to get in the way. Oh, so well. if you're going to touch wood, you can't touch wood with plastic over the top of it. Oh, I'm pretty sure I wax that actually. Not underneath the surface. Of the table. Oh, underneath. Yeah. No, I, you're right. I didn't do that. Yeah. Uh, not, not I can start to see a few nerves in your face now. Actually, <laughs> I am nervous. I, I, I absolutely <laughs> am. Absolutely. I it's, mean, it's good. We, it's good. I like it. I like it. Good luck to you, buddy. There's, like, there's something for you. I hope, I hope they do win. But yeah, I'm emotionally invested in this game. Yeah. Good. Good. Awesome. And Lippy, are you going to be up to watch this one as well? Or do you, do you, uh, do you get your your full eight hours beauty sleep when New Zealand aren't playing? I'll be trying to watch as much as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, guys, um, Bordy, you know, you'll probably have a different wish than me. I hope it's a cracking final. Yeah. Yeah, I hope it's a, um, I hope it's a real arse nipper. Um, so that we, yeah, we, we've got that 300 plays, 298 or something like that. That would be absolutely sensational. I think to the tournament, um, I think deserves that because we 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 have seen um, some fantastic cricket. Um, we haven't seen a lot of close games yeah. um, throughout the course of the tournament, so I think it'd be great if we see a, a close one in this final. Um, but yeah, top order pod. We're going two one in terms of our predictions. Um, two for India. Uh, one, the heart and the head both go in with um, the green and gold Australia of Australia. Um, but you'll find out on Sunday night um, who lifts the trophy. Um, for now, it is good night and good bless from us here in Auckland. We will be back, obviously, in your feeds with a wrap-up of the final, um, the morning after the final, and then back to our normal This Week in Cricket. Um, and then we've got plenty more cricket um, coming up as well. Obviously, guys play a game four yeah, days later. Uh, India play a game four days later. We've got a test series coming up, um, India versus England, not too far away. So plenty more cricket um, on the Top Order podcast. We haven't even spoken about the New Zealand domestic game and there's, what, 17 rounds into the Plunkett Shield already. <laughs> oh, um, there's teams being suspended from international cricket that aren't yeah. even making our This Week in Cricket at the moment. So exactly. there's happening in the so world. We will have a wrap-up where we'll talk all that cricketing news, views and interviews. But thank you uh, very much for supporting the podcast throughout mm. the course of this World Cup. We've got one final uh, wrap-up episode after the final, uh, which will come out Monday morning, uh, New Zealand time, around about lunchtime in India um, and a little bit later in the day um, in the UK so please do hit like and subscribe um, on the YouTube channel that would be much appreciated and share the podcast link uh, with a friend colleague or teammate um, it is really helping to grow the little humble New Zealand cricket podcast that is the top order but for now it is good night and good bless we'll speak to you soon see you later